Hi everybody and welcome to this, the ALC360 podcast. So welcome along to, well, what is uh, webinar number 19, uh, which is obviously transferred into podcast format for our avid listeners. So hope you're enjoying these. Uh, we do intend to evolve the podcast series uh, into more of a kind of interview conversational type uh, series over the coming weeks. So please do stick with us. But in the meantime, uh, the webinar is available for your listening. So a repair special this week. So we've got ourselves Rick Kerry, Director of Ipswich Accident Repair Centre, Richard Sear, CEO of Steel Automotive Group Limited and Chris Weeks, Executive Director of the NBRA joining us. Huge thank you, as always, to our corporate partners, ASIS, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and S&G Response, along with our partners, the Green Park Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Fantastic listening coming your way, so kick back, relax and enjoy. Fantastic. Obviously, on the screen in front of you, you can see the ARC360 uh, corporate partners and partners. Uh, we've got ourselves ASIS, BMS, we've got CAPS, we've got Copart, we've got Emacs, we've got Integral, we've got Enterprise Rent-A-Car, we've got Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, and we've got S&G Response as our corporate partners, and we've got our partners, the Green Park Specialists in DASA and Innovation Group. And a huge thank you to all of those companies who continue to support our efforts, and it's been fantastic working with them. And as per usual, our webinar disclaimer, I'm not ready to do it with my eyes closed just yet, we're only 19 weeks in, so views and opinions expressed during the following webinar are those of the individual contributors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the contributors employer, organisation, committee or other group or individual. As I've said before, please respect any all contributions and we encourage you to join the conversation via the interactive functions available. So today's panellists, as I said, it's a repair special. So we've got Rick Perry, Director of Ipswich Accident Repair Centre. We've got Richard Steer, CEO of Steer Automotive Group, who joined us uh, very early on, actually, in the webinars and gave a great contribution. And we've got returning, uh, after a few weeks off, we've got Chris Weeks, Executive Director of the NBRA. So let's have a little rally round and see how everyone is. So thank you very much for joining us today, everybody. And obviously yourself, Rick, Chris and Richard. Uh, as per usual, I'll give you the opportunity to just uh, introduce yourselves and give us a little lowdown in terms of uh, where we're at uh, right now. So if I come to you first, if I can, please, Rick. Hi, uh, yeah, it's uh, Rick Kerry from uh, Manager Director of Ipswich Action Repair Centre and co-owner. Um, we have kept open the whole way through. Um, we're a sort of independent body shop, BMW Suzuki approved, and um, so we're in quite diverse, multi-skilled staff, and uh, yeah, just sort of trying to ramp the levels back up again, really. All right, fabulous. Thank you very much. And Richard, if I can come across to you. Hi, uh, good afternoon, everyone. I uh, hope you're all well. Um, Richard Steer, yeah, um, owner of uh, Steer Automotive Group, um, Nine Sites, sort of South Midlands kind of area. Um, and um, yeah, obviously just managing the process through what are the still difficult and challenging times, unquestionably. Um, and I think the outlook is, is still very, very concerning um, in terms of what we're faced with uh, up ahead, given what's currently happening and going on. So. Thanks very much, Richard. And Chris, we've not seen you for a, a few weeks, so uh, just give us a little update on what you've been up to. Yeah, um, well, in terms of our operations right now, um, good afternoon, everybody, and um, thanks ever so much, Mark, for inviting us back again. I think it's really great that we do these. Um, so we're mostly concerned with like the here and now issues uh, that are still here. Um, you know, I'm going to I've got to quote my new chairman, uh, Steve Field. We said, you know, just because the snow is gone, um, it doesn't mean, you know, everything's gone away. Um, COVID, you know, definitely or certainly its effects have not gone away at all. And we're very much still in the in the eye of the storm as far as uh, the body shops are concerned. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. You know, we're in the process of contacting all our members um, one by one, checking they're okay, checking they're getting all the messages, helping them out with issues and challenges. Um, there's a lot of worried people out there, um, is, is the main sort of thing that we're getting. Um, 
we've had some tremendous feedback in terms of the support that you know we've provided and other you know bodies as well including vision and various other things uh, um but you know it's a very lonely place from what i can tell for repairers running businesses at the moment and uh trying to make decisions that they've never had to make in in their entire working lives um aside from all that you know we also know um Q4, Q1, you know, next year, it's going to be very, very tough. And we, are, as an association, are really busy getting ready for the future. Um, we know it's going to be tough uh, next year with VAT repayments and, you know, continued lower volumes. So we're really getting ourselves organised to, you know, make sure that we focus all of our uh, attention to membership support because um, I think they're really going to need it, you know, and taking away some of the fluffy stuff. Um, so yeah, we, uh, and of course there's Brexit coming, <laughs> you know, as if, as if the uh, spectre of everything else wasn't bad enough, you know, that's coming around the corner as well. Um, you know, it looks like July's deadline for that is going to go past without an agreement. And as it was reported in the Telegraph yesterday, you know, it's, it's likely we're going to have a no deal and, you know, maybe heading for world trade. WTO terms, so we, we, we're going to have to get ourselves set up for what that means for members as well, uh, and making sure that we're we're fighting their corner and making sure everybody's you know properly informed. So that's that's kind of where my, where my head's at at the moment. <laughs> and that would signal it's all over the place, Chris. But uh, yeah. it sounds like you've got yourself a a busy job for the next twelve months at least. Uh, let's put yeah, it that way. Yeah, we've got plenty on. All right. So well, again, as per usual, what we'll do is we'll just have a look at the uh, the data insights uh, from last week. So again, this is the uh, integral uh, insights that we receive. So the activity heat mapping. And again, this comes via uh, courtesy of Ollie Chambers and the team at Integral. So again, the data is pulled from enterprise customers, i.e. those claims requiring an enterprise rental, uh, which equates to about a third of all claims, plus the addition of its own claims business data, uh, which handles claims for brokers. So there's, if you like, the heat map. Obviously, the darker the color. If you like, the more claims activity. So again, it's kind of that uh, M1 corridor, if you like, uh, London to uh, the north. Manchester, Liverpool, and it signifies a 15% increase week on week in terms of claims volumes. Again, cast our minds back. I think that was a 7% decrease last week. So 15% up on that. 76% increase month on month uh, claims volumes. 7% of volume coming from new hotspots. And we'll talk about those in a second. Uh, claims spread over 354 postcodes now. So again, that seems to be increasing week on week. And the new hotspots, Cannock, Monmouth, Stansted, Exeter, and Boston. And by postcode, WS11, NP25, CM24, EX5, PE21, and LS19. And in terms of top six volume postcodes, G58, E12, ED1, PA3, S60, and KY1. So there we have it. There's our little roundup. And let's just come back. So I'm going to come across to you again first, Rick. So you gave us a, a nice brief introduction, but, um, you know, give us a little bit more of an insight really into where you are right now in respect of your own operations. Okay. We... Um... When obviously everything went in lockdown, we sort of knew it was coming um, a few weeks beforehand. So we stockpiled work a little bit. Um, we did some of the NHS contracts, ambulances, so we had stuff like that um, sort of in hand. So we decided to stay open. We openly spoke to the staff and those who wanted to go on furlough could do. We were trying to gear about 50%. Um, for the first month, we had a month's worth of work on site by, um, by sort of halving the staff. Um, we saw levels in May and June obviously drop off, start to pick up through June um, and now we've sort of got to the 1st of July and we're now starting to bring some of the staff back on a part-time basis. We brought quite a few back last week but we found we worked through the bubble of work quite quick so we've put some of those back on furlough. I don't think there's anybody coming in workshop side to help us out at the moment. Uh, we have seen an increase but we're quite diverse in the work we do we're not sort of we've not we've got several um insurance contracts you know mostly on the prestige side 
Uh, we do motorhomes, caravans, that type of stuff. So a bit of race car prep. So it's handy that we've probably got quite a few jobs that most other body shops aren't getting at the moment to help us maintain a little bit of a volume. Um, we're still way off, I would say, 60%, 70% of what we of what we normally would expect for this time of year. Um, but the furlough scheme's working well and at the moment is sort of safeguarding us. Um, but we're obviously looking to when that finishes to what we go back to the normal, you know, what we what we call normal again um, going forward, really. Okay. And you, you mentioned you'd obviously made uh, sort of a few changes earlier, late last year, earlier in the year anyway, in terms of the business. You, you suggested you'd, you'd sort of streamline things anyway. So by default or design, perhaps you were arguably, arguably in a better place than, than some anyway. Yeah, we'd, uh, last October we changed paint. We changed the speed set. It was really suited us and the painters. We had a couple of staff personnel changes and brought in some a couple of really good staff. And, and we were looking from October to March, probably 15% above last year. Um, but we were starting to get in February, March. We were struggling to um, to feed enough work in the workshop. We created too big a fire because of our efficiencies were better. So we were probably overstaffed possibly thinking of cutting back one or two stuff, which is a bit unfair because they're all doing so well, um, to then go and cut it back a little bit. But, you know, when you're sort of chasing new work to try and keep the workshop fair, that's quite a dangerous position to be in. Okay, great stuff, Rick. Thank you very much. And, and Richard, over to you in terms of, you know, what's, what's the here and now within, uh, within your own operations and, uh, you know, the very near future, if you like? Um, it's been really, it's been really odd times, you know, kind of assumed at each stage of the lockdown, we'd have seen an increase in the volume of work, but it seems that that doesn't automatically trigger that, that immediate increase. See, there seems to be an increase in terms of the time between accidents are happening till they're coming through as referrals, uh, jobs for us. Um, so there hasn't automatically been the, you know, the pubs have opened and then Monday morning is a load of work. There hasn't been, this has been a bit of a lag and it seems to have kind of gone up and back down again and then up again but plateaued and we've definitely seen a month of uh, of plateauing so um we would reckon we're probably probably we are factually 62 percent in terms of our normal referrals normal for this purpose being our january number um and we have 52 percent of our staff in the business so we initially took the view that we would uh, we close five sites, keep four open, uh, and we had about 40% of staff in those four sites. Um, and then we made the decision uh, to furlough some more staff on the 10th of June, which was the last day for new entrance to the furlough scheme, because we, we didn't feel that the referral numbers coming back were at the level they need to be. We'd already opened all nine sites in the middle of May, so we were fully operational as a business. Uh, and... Um, and the, the challenge is now is, is the plateau is, is there and not science showing any signs of increasing. And I don't expect that to be the, to change anytime soon with, uh, with August, given what normally goes on, you know, uh, staycations or not, there's still an awful lot of people, you know, no schools reopening. A lot of people have still, still been encouraged to stay at home by the employers, despite what the government is saying. Uh, and there's a lot of people still still being furloughed and, and a lot of unfortunately lost their, lost their jobs as well. So there's a real mixed bag out there. But the collective pieces, I, I don't see it changing from where it's at anytime soon in any market sort of sense. I think the next trigger point will be September when the schools come back. So middle of September is, is going to be a natural, uh, very keen view we'll keep on, on what's happening then. And also, um, obviously, when the clock starts to go back towards the end of, uh, of October, start of November, which is typically a, an automatic spike within the, the referrals purely because that's what happens that time of year. So those are the, the immediate trigger points. But, you know, the, the new normal, which everyone's talking about, um, I, I don't see any, I don't think anything. I don't see anything starting with an eight. I don't see anything starting with an eight will be where it's ultimately going to end up. And that, that's our, our, the biggest overall concern. Thanks, Richard. I'll come to you in a second, Chris. I'm just going to uh, launch a poll, so uh, get people involved out there. And uh, Richard already alluded to it in terms of uh, August. So uh, we've termed it as summer holidays. So what are your expectations for the summer holiday season? So we're talking school terms. Continue an upward trend. No change to the current situation or even will we be faced with a slowdown? So whilst that's going on, Chris, I'll come across to you. From a, from a wider perspective in terms of what you're hearing out there in the industry, again, um, you know, does it kind of support what Rick and Richard have already uh, alluded to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, you know, like he said, you know, claims are around sort of 60% mark. 
Um, even though like fuel, we, we get fuel data here and, you know, fuel is sales are about 80% of pre-COVID. Um, but, you know, the rush hours seem to have flattened out. So the roads are less congested. So even though there's quite a lot of fuel usage out there, much of which is commercial, by the way, you know, as people have switched to home deliveries and, you know, shopping online and stuff like that, we're, we're not seeing the, the, the private use out there that we, we were. Um, yeah, and I agree sort of with, with uh, Richard's sort of uh, uh, view of the future as well. You know, I mean, August, I guess the one good thing there is the government is trying to encourage people to go back to work, we're working from home. Uh, yeah, I know that was to boost the economy, but it might well help uh, our industry as people get back out on the roads and start meeting people again. Obviously, in, in August, um, there's the national insurance contributions as well, which might bring a few people back to work. Um, September, you know, that steps up a little bit where employers have to uh, make up the 10% of the 80%, which is equivalent to about 300 quid. Uh, plus the school's going back, so that might have an impact. You know, so that is going to be a really cr critical time, I think, for you know, body shops that are starting to think, well, what am I going to do? You know, the, the, the cost of redundancy, um, as Richard alluded to, is extremely high. You know, that would be an enormous impact. And I don't think a lot of body shops have really given that some consideration. Um, at the MBRA, we're going to do a piece on that to really be clear about, you know, how you might select people, what the costs are going to be, what the implications are and everything else. But it's a real tough time and, you know, there's nervousness, uh, I would say. So, you know, uh, we're just going to have to wait and see and, and keep on, keep on stay, staying informed through uh, forums like this and all, all keeping each other sort of clear in terms of what's happening. Okay. All right. So I'll just share the results. Uh, what have we just found out? So continued upward trend, 22%. Uh, believe that will be the case. No change to the current situation. 61% believe that will be the case. Slow down even further, 17%. So some numbers there. So so Rick, does that kind of, you know, I say it's support what you're thinking within your business and, and, you know, potentially, you know, the moves you've got planned for the coming few weeks, stroke months? Yeah, um, August, I think because we, we vary our work slightly, August affects us usually less than most uh, body shops um, but you know it's different times at the moment and I can see um, people sort of starting to get a few holidays and having brave and going abroad um, the roads definitely um, as Chris and Richard said the uh, the rush hour traffic's not there we can get off our industrial estate so easy in the evenings that we couldn't do beforehand so um, we're right out sort of virtually in the countryside as such so we're not really a city based and um, so I, I think volumes will be fairly, you know, stay as they are, possibly even a dip off um, during August for us. So, you know, we're using the flexibility of the furlough to, um, to manage our staff, the right amount of work coming through the door. And, and projecting that forward, so a little bit more uh, into Q3, Q4, how are you, again, you know, this the crystal ball moment that, that everyone's looking for, but how are you sort of planning for that? Yeah, I think it's... We don't overly know. We probably think we'll be sitting 60, 70. You know, we, we're hoping we get back to 80%. And I think that's, I don't think we want to gear the business to be any more than that going forward. Um, I think the furlough scheme is brilliant at the moment and that's um, it's probably saving a lot of businesses, I think. I think, mm -hmm. as mentioned by Chris, the redundancy is going to hit people. Certainly during October, you're going to get to this point where you've got people on furlough and they've signed to go on furlough, um, do you do the moral thing and do it right and make that redundancy at a massive cost, which if you've got to make three or four people to work for you, have been with you for 10 years redundant, you could wipe out a year's profit in a good year, let alone a bad year. Mm. Um, or do you say, well, why can I give you three days a week and hope they get a job somewhere else? I mean, it's they've got mortgages and family, you know, to look after. Um, what's going to be the right thing, you know? Uh, How's your conscience going to be going forward? Yeah, no, some real tough decisions out there. Now, now Richard, I come across to you in terms of, you know, the, the same, if you like, question. So August, you've just seen the poll that was up there. Does that align with, with your thinking again, going into Q3, Q4? 
you know, how are you kind of structuring stroke planning? I think somebody on the webinar last week mentioned that they'd been through three or four business plans already this year. Um, you know, does that tie in with, with where you're at as well? Well, I mean, well, first off, there's no, there's no book. You don't get to, you know, week 16 of COVID crisis and flick through your manual and go, okay, this is what do. Or some sort of study's been done, you know, some McKinsey study's been done as to what to do in the, in the event of a global pandemic for the body repair industry. Uh, and, and, and the key is we are all in this together. You know, it doesn't matter whether, you know, if you're an employee, an employer, you know, an insurer, a supplier. I mean, we're all, this ecosystem relies on, relies on everybody. We, we all can't do our, our own jobs. You know, we, I don't insure people. People. they don't repair cars you know your suppliers don't fix cars they don't insure so we all we all rely on each other and and there aren't winners out of this although it's very easy to go well the insurers are making more money right now because they're not writing out and, and you know, that's a statement of fact but equally so if you look at over the years the money that they haven't necessarily made out of it maybe there's some time for some return there and also that might be leveling the playing field going forward in terms of the opportunity for repairers to earn more money from from, from repairing cars the challenge you have at the minute is you know, if you take the fact the staff you assume that you've got back are your more efficient staff, if they're only, if they're capable of doing 10, 15% more than the average, then ultimately you've, you're going to require fewer staff going forward, whichever, wherever this ends up. And it won't be back to 100%. And unfortunately, the sad piece is that the demise of repairers through through the financial impact of this uh, this crisis will mean that there'll be opportunities for other repairers out the other side of it as well. So, you know, if in simple terms, if claims are at 80%, but 25% heaven help us of repairers went, then in theory, then you've got, you've got a demand and supply issue coming back again, loud and clear, because what's very evident in this industry, and I've only been on this side of the fence for the last couple of years, is that, you know, if I can repair 40 cars a week in Aylesbury, I can't repair 80. I, you know, it just doesn't work that way, you know. Um, so, so you've got a, a kind of a, a capacity amount you can reach, which obviously we're striving to get back to. And at the minute, we're some way off that. And, and I don't see a material change. You know, on one hand, you have the government saying go back to work, and on the other hand, you have RBS announcing as one employer fifty thousand people to stay at home. They're state-owned businesses. They're actually well, partly state-owned businesses. They're actually telling people to go home the same week the government is saying go to work. Mm -hmm. what's the mixed messaging that's going on here so i see the next few weeks as being at best flat um at worst a slight drop and then uh, i think that the big kicker is really the schools and how how ready the public are to send their children back to school and what status in and of course all, all the time in the background we're all looking on the horizon and are we seeing a big gray black cloud um that is wave two that they keep alluding to um, and, and what that's going to be and whether they can contain it locally because of test and trace. All of those things are going to have an impact. And, you know, the crystal ball gazing, you know, if someone's only done four plans then they're probably about half of what I've done. Um, so, you know, literally it's very fluid, very, very fluid. And we are having, you know, we're not over, trying to overanalyze it because ultimately it's, it's very changeable, but, but we're all in this situation together and long may that continue because obviously the more we can support each other through what we're going, uh, what we're going through as, a, as an industry, hopefully the better it's going to be for the long term because we all rely on each other we all we all have to be here we all rely on each other yeah absolutely and, and chris um in terms of the feel feel from the market in general you know like you i speak to plenty of body shops and there's some who are you know kind of taking on new sites you know, that hasn't happened overnight you know that's been in the pipeline for a long time it just so happens that it's kind of fallen now uh on the flip side of that you know there's telling me they're getting numerous job applications for jobs that they haven't kind of you know got or are marketing um there's talk of you know certain businesses going through redundancy processes and streets so it's a real kind of mixed bag out or it certainly seems to be but you know what what, what would kind of your take on that be or, or those who would you know argue that actually the industry you know is doing okay kind of thing I, th I think some are accidentally doing okay, because like Richard said, you know, they've got their highly productive staff in. Um, you know, we're in a bit of a bubble, you know, where they've had their VAT payments sort of uh, deferred. Um, some haven't even paid sort of PAYE to HMRC, so they've got that little bubble uh, building up. Um, and then you've got your job retention scheme, which is, you know, keeping sort of people at bay, and you've got the flexibility of working that's been in place since July. So there are some that are actually doing, you know, proportionately from a sort of a, a net margin point of view, better than they ever have done before. But they're typically the smaller repairers that are kind of in that space where, you know, 
they're less susceptible to uh, the impact of um, you know the swings of claims uh, claims levels. If you're part of a big group, you know they're massive machines to feed, and they they just need that sort of to continue. And at sixty percent, it's just it's just not sort of coming through. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of headwinds uh, coming at the way of the body shops as well. You know, we've got this continued claims volumes challenge. Uh, like I say, no one really knows where, where that's going, but it doesn't seem to be sort of kicking up anywhere anywhere quickly. Um, you've got the erosion of the job retention scheme, and that is going to start, you know, coming around people's necks like a bit of a noose when they're starting to have to contribute towards the, the staff that aren't working at the moment. And then they're really going to start thinking, Christ, what am I going to do? Lots, lots of body shops haven't given any thought to the cost of redundancy at all. Uh, and, that, you know, that's something that, that people are going to have to do. Um, you know, they've got those sustained losses that they've had to pick up throughout the period where they were shut down or they only had 20% of the work. So the cash is depleted. Um, and, and of course, as Richard said, you know, people are worried about the second wave. Um, you know, lots of, I know Europe feels like, you know, we, we, we're in a better state than we were, but the rest of the world, I mean, globally, the pandemic is worse now than it ever has been. Um, yes, we're getting better at dealing with it. Um, and yes, if there's outbreaks, they're more likely to be, you know, controlled locally with local shutdowns like we've seen in Leicester and Bradford. We've become better um, at managing the infections, you know, but it's, it's still uh, a, considerable, a considerable concern. What really worries me is, you know, uh, there's all kind of various sort of uh, views on how much support repairs have been given through this. You know, calling it support isn't necessarily the right word, but you know, in an open market, body shops were being forced to charge quite a lot of money through this in order to survive. Um, you know, the great news is through the support of you know Vision and the various other people that really fought hard to try and get things. You know, there has been concessions in terms of parts discounts. Um, you know, anywhere between sort of five and fifteen percent uh, in one instance. Or, or some have gone with, you know, that in place of COVID charges, some have gone with some quite decent COVID charges, not necessarily enough to sort of, you know, make a massive change, but they've been something. I'm enormously concerned that, that they will start to evaporate. Um, I was on a call the other day, a webinar with David Nif Nichols, um, who's the Chief Claims Officer at uh, Zurich. And, you know, thank goodness, he said, I've got no intention of pulling um, the, the, the aid packages that he's got in place for his repairers. He very much was of the view that, you know, a strong supply chain is much better than having to deal with the consequences of a depleted supply chain, you know, call that repairers. And thankfully, you know, he's taken a really, really sensible view. It's, uh, it, they're not going to be pulling their concessions anytime soon. Um, and I very much hope that is the mentality that we're going to see uh, in the rest of the market as well. I really do. Because now is not the time, you know, to start putting away support for repairers. It really isn't. Absolutely. And, and also, you know, on top of all of this, Carlisle kind of publicly announced, you know, uh, Nationwide is, is up for sale. Um, you know, and it's not our business to drill down into that. But does that have implications across the industry as well? Does that settle the industry even further? Uh, yeah, sorry, Chris, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the Carlisle is, um, you know, the nationwide, there's loads and loads of rumours, you know, I don't think we'll ever know what's gonna, you know, what could happen, it could be a big buy, um, you know, that, that would be interesting if that ever happened, if, you know, nationwide got bought out and a big chunk of the AVP top 40, um, you know, I mean, that, that would probably be something that would be quite helpful to the industry. But currently, we've got oversupply. You know, claims are down. You know, so there's too much capacity in the market. Um, if if Nationwide were to, to, to sort of go, I don't know if that would be a really terrible thing for the market right now. Uh, it'd be awful for, for Nationwide and the people that work there, obviously. Uh, they could trade out of trouble. You know, it, it, it just... I, I, you know, it's, it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen, but um, uh, you know, there's there's definitely, I'd imagine, uh, lots of businesses that would be quite keen to pick up bits and pieces. Um, there's all other issues in there, isn't there, around sort of pensions and stuff like that. You know, reported to be 
32 million hole in that. I don't know. It's, better, it's going to be really, really interesting. And I think the whole market, quite frankly, is watching the nationwide Carlisle piece very, very closely. Very, very interested in, in how that sort of uh, turns out. So I hope you're enjoying the webinar so far. Some really eye-opening uh, conversation taking place and some really great uh, insights provided from uh, Rick, Richard and Chris. Big thank you uh, to our corporate partners for supporting ARC360 and they are ASIS, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and SMG Response, along with our partners, the Green Park Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Hope you enjoy the second half of the podcast. More fascinating insights to come. Now, I just want to move across to uh, so relationships. We've already mentioned those. So I'm going to get another poll up and running. So let's launch that whilst we talk. So in general, how are your key supply chain relationships evolving, continuing to evolve for the better? Uh, we've kind of found the new norm, if you like, or they are increasingly challenging. So we'll let that one run. Um, Richard, if I come across to you on that, you know, how how are kind of, you know, your relationship moving in terms of this with, with throughout the supply chain so whether that be you know your your abrasive supplier paint supplier through to you know the uh, prov work relationships with insurers you know how is it all kind of evolving and merging together and, uh, and moving on really well i mean in the main i think it's actually been really really good um you know not necessarily just automatically looking for positives but unquestionably um it has brought us closer to our uh, our clients uh, and uh, the communications have improved both ways i think they've really appreciated the updates and the information we've been providing the fact they recognize we're trying to work hard to still provide a service um you know i think i saw one uh, comment on a customer service satisfaction service said you know covid isn't 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 an excuse for bad service um which i thought was quite quite interesting given some of the challenges we've had but but, uh, but it, maybe it isn't. And the, the truth of the matter is, is that we've had some challenges with some SLAs, but our SLAs are actually improving. Um, partly because obviously the flow of work is there's less work on site, which means you get better efficiencies from that. Um, we've had uh, no issues getting our wet and dry type products, and LKQ and Euro car parts have remained open through the full time. I think the, the dealership reaction and the dealer community, they had a different drivers, obviously, in terms of what their situation was, obviously, around lockdown and, and obviously being more in the retail space and having to close the dealerships. But I thought, you know, their reaction around part supply created some massive challenges from us early doors. That kind of came back. But, but our parts margin has unquestionably suffered in the last three months, yeah. even taking aside the allowances that have been made. The, the management accounts I've seen have said in every instance, our parts margin has gone backwards by a significant amount of points. Uh, and why is that? Because basically, and that's just on, that's such on, on obvious hard cost, I buy and sell. That isn't without including the cost of collection and delivery, um, payment up front for parts, which we'd never do before. We've gone you know, 70, 80, 90 miles. But then we've had some of our clients have said to us, well, you know, if you're, if you're facing hardship through that, then we're prepared to step in and pick up some of the cost for that as well. And that has really been appreciated. And it's a genuine sign of us working more closely together um, uh, around uh, our dealer relationships with our parts suppliers just generally. Um, not as good as they were um, because ultimately there's been delays in getting parts, the wrong parts have been delivered. Um, you know, they're obviously uh, only just open with skeleton staff as well, so we often have to collect uh, rather than having stuff delivered, but we're not getting a margin improvement for that, so we're just adding cost into our chain, delay into our chain. So, so those are sort of different dynamics that sit within there. But, but I've welcomed, I've welcomed some of the elements of the new communications and I really do appreciate the fact that our clients have worked hard to try and get authorizations through. Yeah, they've got staff on furlough as well. So some of the network teams are under a lot, engineering teams are under a lot of pressure as well. And it's easy to say, well, why wouldn't this come through quicker? You can't be so busy, but they're not, but they are busy because they've got their staff as well. So it's a yin and a yang in terms of where that works. So, so from our side, um, I've been pleased with that. And the fact is what was initially a major concern for us was about the fact that our our debtor days exploded upwards in a very dangerous trend, which we addressed through June. And I have to say um, that the, we're getting paid an awful lot quicker than we were. I'd still like to tidy up some of the really old stuff that's still still dragging around and normally be a bit more involved. But the stuff that we're currently uh, charging for, we're getting paid uh, in a timely manner. And that's really appreciated because, because cash is still going to be king with this whole, whole piece. 
cash will be king through the whole element of what we're going to be going through uh, and making sure that we retain as much of that as possible within the business to manage what we're going to be faced with in the next few months. Okay. And in terms of, um, so sorry, just looking at the results. So you can see the results on the screen there. So continuing to evolve for the better. Fantastic. 51% um, say that's the case. So we've found the new norm. So second, 28%, uh, increasingly challenging. Unfortunately, 22% are still experiencing that. And, and Richard, in terms of, you know, relationships with, um, you know, fellow repairers and things, are you talking to more repairers now? Do you find that happening as just, you know, knowledge sharing and this kind of stuff? Um, I, well, I think, I mean, perhaps slightly more uniquely placed in some respects is obviously I've been, you know, I've been supplier to a lot of these guys for an awful long time. So I kind of have a, have a sort of double-edged relationship with them in terms of being somebody who's in the body shop space who historically was in the supplier arena. Um, I've, I've been really, really appreciative of the support um, and that's been held, held out to me from fellow repairers um, and you know advice assistance you know uh, what problems they're sharing and and also as well the openness and the transparency with which that's been provided so on a personal basis it's been really welcomed and hopefully if anybody's reached out to me you know I've been able to give them the answers you know I tend to deal with pretty straight as people know uh, and I've really welcomed the the opportunity for them to share some of their experiences and also you know it's just a you know, problem shares, problem halved is the old expression. And, and I've definitely found that in certain instances. And also just finding what their norm is. You know, how are you dealing with this? How are you dealing with that? What are you finding with this? What are you finding with that? So all of those things have definitely helped. So communication has been one of the biggest things from this. You know, I, I miss the face-to-face -face stuff. I miss the get-togethers because I don't think, I think Zoom and Teams have a place, but I don't think they're necessarily the be-all and end-all. And I think a lot of us are getting pretty Zoomed out. A lot of those quizzes and catch -up, social catch-ups have all fallen by the wayside as we come back to norm, you know, and we start to see people and I, and I welcome the chance to get back in front of a lot of people i'm looking forward to some of the uh, some of the networking events uh, opening up again as, as the as the the year un, un, unfolds in front of us uh, and getting a chance to get back and start to talk properly to people rather than doing it uh, down a down a computer screen no, absolutely it will be great to get back together 24th of november as well put that one in your diary that's hopefully you've teed me up beautifully for that but uh, that's hopefully our return for alc 60 at the British Motor Museum so fingers crossed uh, all goes accordingly and, and Rick same same thing for you obviously a very different business to, to Richard's but you know your relationships all round how's the business been supported have you found yourself you know opening up a whole new world in terms of conversations that you've had with with fellow repairers and, and others yeah I think um, fellow repairers I've been on steering committees before so I know a lot of repairers sort of quite personally we, we quite often share information help each other out um, certainly in the early days when there was only a few of us open, we were getting quite a few um, get quite a few phone calls, especially on lockdown, if I went mad that night to say, are we able to open, are we not able to open? Um, insurance companies, probably we've got a lot of small contracts rather than a lot of large or one large contract and um, innovation group being probably the biggest work worker supply. They were excellent, you know, on the phone quite a bit going out of their way to get stuff authorised and um, helping us as part of the parts supply. Um, you know, Morelli's were going out of their way, picking stuff up for us and, um, you know, that stuff. So, to be fair, a lot of people around us, we've had a massive support from work, work providers, you know, supply um, of parts, paint, a lot really. So, um, and we've helped you talk to other body shops. A lot, lot, of, um, lot of body shops are phoning and saying, can you get BM bits or these bits and, we're, and we were sort of helping each other out to where we could get supply from. So yeah, it was quite very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. He said extended the network. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and Chris, so, you know, we are kind of in that place now where we, we've obviously just looked at August and thoughts around there. We've looked towards the end of the year, the here and now, um, so as restrictions are eased and we're encouraged to go back to work, business support packages, are, you've already mentioned what's happening with the furlough, how that's changing. You know, and Richard's already alluded to cash is still king. You know, let's not forget that. We, we reiterated that very early on. That was a real key message. You know, what, what is the here and now in terms of your kind of advice to, to repairers? What's the, the key things that they really need to be uh, mindful of? Um, I, I, you know, making decisions about their people and staffing is going to be critical. It really is. You know, if if uh, if they keep too many people, 
you know, they're not going to be running efficiency, efficiently, they're going to lose money. If they don't have enough people, you know, they're not going to be able to put through enough work to cover their fixed costs and make profit. Decisions like that are going to be critical to them. And, you know, we as an association have got to give them as much help and advice and support as possible to get that, that sort of balance right. Um, obviously, you know, we need to help. I, I don't know really what Brexit is going to mean for them, but, you know, that is looming up on the horizon. We can't forget about that either. Um, we need to make sure that that doesn't sort of negatively impact, impact our uh, members. Um, I think we could, we could do a better job of being prepared for a second wave if it does come. You know, it's quite understandable that when this first hit us, it was brand new for everybody. You know, nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew how long it was going to go on or what impact it would have on claims and everything. So consequently, like everything, you know, it's similar to that. Everybody invents the wheel. And, and that's pretty much what happened with, you know, all of the insurers going down their own path and all repairers going down the path. And we've slowly kind of congregated towards things that we think are about the right thing to do. Um, but they're not necessarily right. You know, we haven't necessarily ended up in the right place. Um, you know, there's, there's still, there's still a lack of understanding of, um, the investment that repairers are required to put in to uh, adapt their businesses and to, um, to keep their customers safe. You know, there's some whopping disparities actually between, you know, some of the CSR statements on some corporate websites, um, you know, and what is required of repairers to deliver for their customers, juxtapose that with, you know, some frontline engineers, area managers, no disrespect to any might be on, who haven't necessarily been given any kind of training, any kind of education. Um, and, and consequently, they're, you know, they're going in saying, oh, this needs is a quick wipe over. You know, that's an actual quote <laughs> from an engineer. Um, to a business that have invested thousands and thousands of pounds in safeguarding that insurance customers. Um, so, you know, there, there's a whole uh, bunch of things like that. But beyond that, you know, we still need to move forward as, as businesses. Um, the MBRA very much planning on, you know, we've made savings in our business so we can invest directly in membership support services. Uh, there's a lot we're doing this year, you know, without doing a sort of an MBRA pitch website, distribute resolution, new database. We want to do a body shop dating service. Still need to crack that courtesy car issue, sick to death of, you know, repairers having to pay uh, for fault mobility. Um, and as, you know, as Richard said, this whole thing about parts, which is like a little cancer that's going on at the moment. Um, you know, Ford, after sort of doing what they did the first time around and cutting the discounts, seem to have gone in for a a second, a second bite of the cherry, you know, and, and even more um, discounts seem to be going away and you've got other manufacturers going down that route. And it's largely, you know, it's not being spoken about. Um, and all the time it's not being spoken about, as Richard said, you know, one of the four lines of uh, gross profit uh, that body shops can achieve, parts, is disappearing, it's eroding. And nothing else is coming in its place to, co to, to compensate it. So, you know, we've got a hell of a lot to do um, to, to get those things right. And um, it's going to be a tough time for repairs. We just want to support them all the way through it. Yeah. yeah. And going back to kind of your, your initial piece there on the people, and I know it's kind of how long is a piece of string, but, hmm. you know, how long can you wait for these things? Um, or is this just going to become an automatic sort of timeline for most repairers where it's actually, you know, this is kind of make or break and I've got to make those decisions now. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll Richard, I, you know, I, I think sort of September is going to be critical. It's, you know, I don't think if there's a big upturn at that point when schools go back and, you know, after the government has tried to get people to go back to work, if they possibly can go back to work and, and the job retention scheme starts to, evaporate you know that's going to be the crucible moment where decisions need to be made 
um, you know, you, I don't think people are going to be able to leave it much longer than that. Well, you know, once you get to the end of October, of course, it's gone. You know, the, the whole scheme, 31st of October, the scheme is gone. And, you know, it, let's, let's work out on a scenario where there's a, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a second wave. Let's say maybe the 60% goes down to 40 or 50% uh, of normal claims volumes. And then you're forced with what? You know, paying full wages for 100% of your staff when you've only got half the work. You know, decisions do need to be made. Um, and it's really, you know, I think we do need to come together more than ever as an industry to really help each other make sure that decision making is as simple and as well informed as possible so people get it right. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be really, really tough. Fair comments there, there, Richard, from, from Chris in terms of that kind of, you know, critical timeline um, or, or do you, you know, did you gear for it? anyway um and again you know there's there's always that argument that you get to october to people then you know do the winter dance and hope for a bad winter and, and fall into that cycle so that there's you know so many sort of different ways to look at it i suppose well i mean you know in the day we we need referrals uh to to employ staff and as one is a direct line to the other um we've already seen as chris alluded to earlier you know uh Petrol retail, 80%. But 80% of driven miles does not generate 80% of claims. Uh, I've not seen the study yet that says, you know, where the two lines actually separate. But, but you know, 100% of driven miles driven as given the claims before. We're measuring like with like. We're clearly seeing that 80% of driven miles now, which has been what's been the case for the last few weeks, is only generating 60% of the claims volume. And that's, that's, all, that's a natural given thing. So from our perspective, you know, we're looking very closely at where we see a step change in our referrals. Um, we actually put, as I said earlier, a fresh wave of people on furlough on the very last day that we could rejoin the scheme. That was the first time that they'd actually gone on furlough, and that was on the 10th of June. And that was why it was because we didn't actually have the claims capability at that stage then to support the amount of staff we had in the business. So it was a balancing act. I brought 35 back a week before, and I think we put 19 new guys on furlough at that stage. So it's a constant balancing act. But you know, we've done our numbers based on you know if everybody now is going to be off until the 1st of November, what are the commensurate costs for the business? And they are into six figures. So you know, we would have effectively, as we stand here today, over £100,000 worth of cost just purely from keeping people away until the 1st of November and then all of the payroll comes back on board and then if you haven't got the claims in then you've got to look at maybe potentially redundancy programs which were clearly everyone's desperate to try and avoid um, which also costs an awful lot of money as well so it's just about all of this is about planning as best you can with your individual situation and making sure that you apply the best uh, knowledge that you can and your business experience you know we I, I had a chat with Chris when this when this first kicked off and said look now's a chance for the MBRA to really step up and fill fill a void that I think is there in terms of being the, the being uh, sending out uh, information to the community that we could then use and I have circulated to my internal team almost on a bi-daily basis information that's been I've, I've gleaned automatically from there and we've really welcomed that support in terms of what that's provided for us around changing the scheme because you know apart from trying to run a business on one hand and manage you know XD people off on, on furlough you've also ultimately got to stay ahead of what's happening in the respective furlough schemes of government support I still notice and hear that some repairers haven't made uh, applications for the grants and rates relief what why what why wouldn't you do that it's a it's a it's a it's a win I know it's a challenge sometimes to get through certain councils but you've got to really push hard for that because this is where we need to be basically all pulling together as a community and making sure that we're all on the same page uh, and I've said historically, yeah, there isn't there isn't really winners out of this. There's just survivors, and uh, and the most important thing is that as many of us survive out the other side of it as well. And we still have an ecosystem that can provide a service to the clients of our accident management, their customers, the accident managers and insurers um, going forward. Because if there was no repairs at all in the UK, the public will still be having accidents. So we are a required necessary in this industry and, uh, and, and, and we don't, we have not, no intention of going anywhere. So although I'm typically very upbeat and bullish, everyone knows my style, that's intended to be where I tend to be. It's automatically tinged with a caution because we don't know what we're faced with going forward, but clearly it's obviously a concern. All right. Absolutely. Right. 
we're into the last 10 minutes. I'll just bring up the uh, the final poll for today whilst we're on the subject of people, but we're going to move on a little bit. So what is the current status of your business when it comes to staffing? So furlough stroke volume balance continues. So again, as we've discussed, that kind of juggling act, uh, looking to bring new more people on board, again, with reference at uh, some new sites opening, etc., or in the process of streamlining the headcount. So Rick, I'm going to jump across to you and just move the conversation on. So, you know, w- will your business or will you know the industry ever be the same again as far as you're concerned um will your business adapt evolve to become something that it's you know not currently been or or, or whatever it might be yeah I'd, I'd like to think it's changed i mean it's i suppose this has given us time to look at the business and see what elements of the business are important and what you've got to work on um i think um we probably won't staff to where we were before i think we've quite enjoyed I think one of the things we've noticed the last two weeks is the amount of phone calls from insurance companies for updates. You know, sometimes three times for the same vehicle. Uh, and when we're only short-staffed, you know, I've my hands on the business quite a lot at the moment because I've got to, um, and you're bombarded by phone calls again. And suddenly you've gone from being able to spend your time doing estimates and actually make sure you've covered everything to, to insurance companies chasing SLAs and wanting you to give it, you know, when's this in, when that's in, when did you get authority for it? You know, when you get it three times the same, it drives you mad. Um, I think we need to work on things like the CAPS communication, all these different um, online tracking schemes. You know, you've got seven different insurance companies, seven different schemes that could be centralised. So I think there's a lot of work with repairers and insurance companies to try and cut some of the admin out of it because... You know, if you make the workshop slightly smaller, you'll then get a bigger ratio of people repairing cars to people in the office. Um, but I think we, I'd like to sort of bring it back a touch just so we can give a bit more quality, you know, to customers to estimate into our communication. Um, I think, as Richard said, there's a storm coming, September, October, and the furlough scheme. At the minute, it's all paving over cracks in our, in our industry. Um and I think it's going to be difficult for, you know, for groups and for small independents. I think we've always adapted very quickly to current situations, put our eggs in a lot of different baskets, safeguarded ourselves. Um, but, you know, I think we want to change things. I think how we achieve that is going to be, um, is going to be the, you know, the big challenge for us going forward. Um, but at the moment is very much survival of the fittest. And um, we just want to make sure we're in the game and, you know, we protect the business as best as we can and still keep providing a service for customers. Okay. Great stuff. Thanks, Rick. That's a great insight again. And just having a quick look at the results that we got there. So uh, the Juggling Act continues for 57%. Um, so 21% looking to bring on new, stroke more people on board. That's great. And in the process of streamlining headcount, 21 percent as well so again a mixed bag there um richard it'll come across to you we've we've kind of got a, a few minutes remaining but um you know it, it, from a repairer's perspective um you know what what is it that you can do differently perhaps uh, you know you might stem from this that something you know comes from this that actually you know we, we've been missing a trick all these years or there's a way that we can change our business for the better offer customers, whether that be insurers or, you know, uh, individual drivers themselves, you know, some, something different. Okay. Um, I think one of the challenges, you know, let went to um, Pugh a few, uh, a few webinars ago had mentioned about some of the Cobra committee uh, potentially being brought forward. I don't know whether anything's happened with that or not. Uh, I've not seen or heard anything myself, but it may well be happening in the background. Um, yeah, that, that would have been a potentially a welcome opportunity. Part of the challenges is that people are very reluctant, you know, to give up their competitive advantages. And this is one of the ongoing challenges that you have uh, in industry that is, controlled by large corporates, you know, be it vehicle manufacturers or be it insurers, large accident managers, and obviously uh, repairers. So I think um, uh, I would say it's probably currently looks like a lost opportunity 
it would be a shame if it was a lost opportunity. We didn't take a chance to do things differently. You know, it's slightly concerned here. Rick there facing increased call activity into him three times for the same job. You know, you've got claims handlers have been furloughed are coming back now as well. They're getting up to speed as well. Uh, and obviously their job is to inform the clients. I think people forget the COVID crisis very quickly. It's amazing how quickly it sort of seems to be, in some respects, going into the past, yet it's still very much now. And as we've already said, worldwide cases are exploding. So that's more of a bigger concern. So I think it would be a shame if we didn't take advantage to use technology in various different ways to, uh, to, to reduce friction, improve efficiencies, um, speed up cycle times, uh, improve customer service. Why, why can't we achieve that? And I think it's actually there to be achieved. And a lot of technology is already in play. And there's you know, some new AI solutions coming to the fore that we can bring more to the table. There uh, you know, updates without use of phones. They're already there and in place. More people should be using those wherever possible as well. Entrusting us to get on and do our, you know, our jobs and allow us to work uh, with, the, with the policyholder, with the customer to, to deliver the most satisfactory experience for them. So making sure the SLAs match and fit that. Um, people have been very accommodating and understanding in what's gone on in the last uh, 10 or 12 weeks uh, for, for repairers. So those are the, were the sort of things I'd like to see uh, going forward, obviously, in what is still going to be a very fluid and, and, and changing time. Brilliant. All right. Thank you very much, Richard. And Chris, we'll come across to you for the, for the final say. Again, kind of, you know, reiterating perhaps what, what Richard's already said. But, um, you know, where, where are we, if you like, moving ahead? What would you like to see? Um, and, you know, what are the points that you really want to raise for, for, for body shops, if you like? And you've got about three minutes to do it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll, go, I'll keep it very high level. You know, um, all the time that I've been at MBRA, you know, I've really wanted to see the market mature and evolve uh, and real and get real collaboration. Um, you know, we, we're getting somewhere with it. Um, we've got our insurer advisory board um, that's sort of growing and, and it seems to be doing quite well. You know, I want us to pick up on, but very much as sort of Richard said, you know, this would be a huge lost opportunity if we don't use the meteoric impact of coronavirus as a catalyst to start maturely debating the issues that affect the industry all the way across, you know, and this isn't, you know, a repairer sort of led thing. We have to find win-wins. There is, if you spend enough time talking about any problem, there's a win-win in it for everyone. You know, if you think hard enough and you debate it hard enough, there's always a way if you've got the energy to do it. Um, and that is exactly what I'm hoping for, you know, coming out of this. And we'll be sort of pushing for that to happen, picking up on the big subjects that never really leave our industry. Never, re Nobody ever puts the, the ball in the back of the net. We just talk about it. Let's get some of these done. You know, and that is very much what I want to see everybody pulling together to resolve some of the sticky problems that have been sticking around for so long and really have the energy to fix them. Brilliant. Great close to a webinar. Like the football analogy, being a Watford fan because of the troubles we face, but there you go. Um, so great webinar once again. Thank you very much indeed to you guys for taking part uh, and sharing your honest and open insight. Uh, Rick, Chris and Richard, superb. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much to everybody for joining us once again for a webinar Wednesday and uh, really appreciate all the communications. Let these guys know what you thought about the session. Send some messages through in the chat. So I'll scoop them all up as we go. Huge thank you, obviously, to our corporate partners, ACS, BMS, CAPS, Copart, EMAC, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response, and our partners, the Green Part Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Once again, thank you very much, Rick, Chris, and Richard. Thank you for everyone for joining us. Have a fantastic week, and we'll see you again next Wednesday. Take care, everybody. And so there you have it. Um, interesting times ahead and uh you know it's certainly uh clearly from from the guys uh commentary there it's not getting any easier uh volumes yes are increasing but uh certainly not uh at the rate the industry would like and uh you know flexing the business model to suit 
mountains uh, increasingly challenging, especially with obviously the deadlines, furlough deadlines looming, uh, etc. So plenty to be looking out for over the coming weeks and months, and uh, we certainly plan to keep you updated on everything that is happening out there. So a huge thank you to obviously uh, Rick, Richard and Chris for joining us. And once again, a huge thank you to our corporate partners, ASIS, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and SMG Response, along with our partners, the Green Park Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Thank you all once again for joining us and for your continued support. And we look forward to catching up with you again next week. Take care, everybody.